All right. Welcome into On Her Turf, everybody. Quick check-in. How's everyone holding up? Because I know myself, MJ Acosta-Ruiz, and my co-host, Lindsay Zarniak, we're just trying to make it to the Olympic Games starting, to the Super Bowl. If you're having a rough week, allow us to be your reprieve, at least for the length of this podcast. Right, Lindsay? There's a lot going on, but I love that we get this space to chat it up and check in on all of the women who are making an impact and really getting ready for these Olympic uh, Winter Olympic Games in Beijing. I would also point out that you actually have the best of both worlds right now, my friend, because you're talking about all these wonderful, wintry, freezing cold atmospheres of these sports. And next door, you have the beautiful Southern California Stadium that will host the Super Bowl. So okay, you get if- to kind of take it. What? No, am I wrong? If I may, it does get cold in Los Angeles. Not comparatively. What are you talking to everywhere about? else? <laughs> Listen, you know when, that I am warm blooded. Don't no judgment here on the no other judgment. Turf. You know I love you. <laughs> but if it's below like <laughs> sixty, I'm freezing. <laughs> it's bad. It's bad. But you're right. Yes, it's 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 definitely a blessing to be in Southern California. But it, it's nuts, right? Because like we have that backdrop yeah. of the Super Bowl, but it's also at the same time um, the Winter Olympics. So it's there's so much going on. It's probably the busiest time of year, I think. Um, And it's awesome, Lindsay, that we get this opportunity to talk to the other busiest people on the planet other than you and I, um, the athletes that are getting ready for Beijing. No, that's so true. And also, you know, you mentioned that and it makes me think about just the the pandemic of it all too, because we're still very much in that boat where things are so different than they've been in the past. And that impacts clearly the Super Bowl, but also the Olympics in a big way. That was something that that struck out um, to me, stuck out to me out of the gate with these two guests. And it was just such a, a pleasure to be able to speak with two members of the United States women's hockey team who are going for gold. They're defending their gold, Megan Keller and Brianna Decker. And these to when I mentioned the pandemic, you know, they've been um, holed up really in Minnesota training since October. And so what was really cool was to hear how that's been. But also, you know, you hear and I felt initially just the friendship that the two of them have and and how special and, and authentic that relationship is. But MJ, it's like you forget how right. they do battle on the ice. And like and and honestly, hockey Quite literally shocks me. Yeah, literally, but also it's like being able to play hockey in itself is such a, you're such an athlete and a talent. Um, but the fact that they just do it and they're on skates. And I know that sounds so simple, but to me, it always <laughs> no. blows my mind, you know? Not simple at all. Not simple at all. If you think of a figure skater and how difficult that is, now imagine putting every possible piece of equipment on your body, finding this tiny puck, comparatively tiny, um, and then also with people coming at you at full speed. Not great, but I'm glad that you got to talk to them this week um, and that we get to hear a little bit of that conversation. Hollins. Yeah, and it was very cool and they were very open. I appreciated that. And I also just, you know, knowing that they were both in the Olympics the last time around that they won gold, then it was really cool to hear not only how they've both grown, but what they've learned from, you know, that experiences in, in the years since. So here's that conversation. Hope you enjoy it. One of the competitions I'm most excited to watch is women's ice hockey. And this week, I'm also, I'm just so thrilled to be joined by not one star, but teammates who are looking to defend gold at the Winter Olympics. Brianna Decker, forward on the U.S. national hockey team, who already has a gold and a silver from the past Olympics. Megan Keller, also of the U.S. national hockey team, one of the youngest players on that Olympic team in 2018. Brianna, Megan, welcome to the On Her Turf podcast. Not like you guys have anything else going on. So I really appreciate the time. This is so cool. First of all, where do you keep your gold medals? Um, I don't have a particular spot. Uh, the, I mean, after we won, it was kind of all over the place. It was kind of on me for the most part because a lot of people wanted to see it. But um, mine's just um, in my drawer at home. Um, top drawer, to be specific, just hangs out there. <laughs> How about you, Megan? Yeah, honestly, for a while, I think a lot of us carried it around in like a sock because we'd have to take it everywhere and wanted to keep it <laughs> from getting scratched and whatnot. But uh, mine's at home right now under the watchful eye of my my mom and dad. So <laughs> they're keeping an eye on that one. I love it. I bet they love to watch guard on that. Um, before I have some questions I want to ask you out of the gate so that our listeners can get to know you guys better. But first off, can you tell us where you are? And Brianna, what I see behind you, it looks like some great house decor. So is this of your own doing? 
No, definitely not. Well, right now our team is in Blaine, Minnesota. So we've been training here since October. Um, and a lot of us either got apartments or I found myself extended like Airbnb to stay at a house. Um, nice. I had my dog here for a little bit. And so I wanted a nice backyard for her, but um, so the decor behind me is the well-doing of the people who host the place. So it's been pretty nice. How about you, Megan? Uh, you look like you're in a hotel. I am. <laughs> you yeah. drew the short straw. <laughs> I'm currently in a lovely hotel um, right by the rink. Um, just with getting ready to leave for the Olympics so soon, we're taking extra precautions uh, because of COVID. Some of us have roommates and we're just trying to limit exposures and things like that. Just I mean, whatever hoop we have to jump through, I think we're all willing to do at this point. We just want to have the opportunity to get over to China and, and compete. So I can imagine so close, so close. What, what has that been like being there together and not having many, I guess, distractions other than just being around your teammates and practicing and all that? Yeah, I think all of us like look forward to the year leading up or like the half year leading up to the Olympics. Um, it's just an opportunity for us to finally practice together, together every single day um, and prepare for games and obviously the Olympics um, throughout the year. But so it's an exciting like few months, four months, five months leading up to the Olympics. I think, um, you know, Meg maybe can touch on a little bit more, but I think it's always an interesting year when there's COVID. So I think we've had some obviously ups and downs, but at the same time, um, we've been really fortunate that everyone's been pretty healthy. Megan, yeah, your thoughts, anything else you wanted to add? Yeah, no, like Dex said, it's it's obviously been a challenging year for all of us battling through COVID and all that it's brought to this world. But like she said, we're very fortunate to all continue to be healthy. I mean, there's a lot bigger things that COVID has taken away from people in this world. So I think we're all just really lucky to be able to play our sport and hopefully get the chance to represent the U.S. at the Olympics in this next month. It's awesome also to see just putting in the work to do that and to keep everybody safe, just being so close to trying to defend the gold and really do what you guys have set out to do and train for, I know, for so long. So I have some questions that I want to ask you right out of the gate. Before I get to that list, guys, I could rattle off both of your stats, but I know that teammates know each other better than anybody else. So Megan, how would you describe Brianna? (laughs) She's a competitor. Um, I love getting the chance to play with Dex and we got to play a little bit together um, in the PWHPA and now on the U.S. team. Um, It's definitely way more fun to be on her side than against her because she's one of the best players in the world and um, she's one of the hardest workers and one of the great leaders and veterans on our team. So she's somebody that we always look to 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 kind of lead the way. And Brianna, how would you describe Megan to someone? What should they know? Um, she's, I am going to say this and I'm saying this so confidently because I truly believe it to my core that she's the best defenseman in the world. Um, and I, you know, I think Meg definitely the best part about her is how humble she is and she doesn't view herself that way. But um, again, she's a competitor as well, but she's one of the most dynamic D um, that I've seen. I think she's so skilled offensively um, as a defenseman, but then defensively, she's one of the hardest to go against in practice. Um, so I'm going to throw the compliment back to her as far as I'm glad she's on my team, on our team instead of playing against her. Yeah. We're always going against each other in practice. We're like, somehow yeah. we always end up going against each other and we're always just like, oh man. <laughs> yeah. That's such a cool compliment though, because Brianna, you're known as honestly, and I know that you're humble too, but one of, if not the best hockey player, you know, female hockey player in the world. So when you say that also about Megan, like this is, it's really cool. So what, what is it to follow up on that a little bit and hear from both of you that makes the other one so unique at what they do? Yeah, I think, um, you know, when Meg, Meg is very like detail oriented. So she focuses on little details of her game. Um, She's one who's, you know, will stay after and work on her shot or work on different things at the blue line. But her mobility is like, is one of the, one of her key factors, I think too. Like she's one of the best skaters as a defenseman that I've, I've had to play against. Um, and she uses her size to her advantage to take away time and space to forwards. So um, that's why I enjoy watching her when I'm not like obviously playing against her. <laughs> yeah. Megan, what do you think hearing that? It's, it's obviously, um, humbling to hear coming from 
somebody that I've always looked up to when I first stepped on the team. So um, it's definitely awesome to hear, but it, it just, it makes the game so much easier when you're surrounded by so many great players like Dex, especially as a defenseman to have somebody like her that you can so easily find on the ice or here on the ice to be able to get the puck to her. And then she just goes and does her thing all the way down the ice. It makes the game so much easier. And I think that's one of the coolest things about this year that we're able to practice together um, on a daily basis is you really get to know your teammates and their style of play. And it just is a lot of fun. I love that. I want to dig into that more, but first I want to go down some rapid fire for you guys, just so our listeners can hear you and get to know you a little bit better. So I'd love to hear these answers from both of you. What is your first memory of watching women's sports? Megan, I'll start with you. It'd have to be the Olympics. Um, I remember being in my basement and I think I was watching Angela Ruggiero and, and the U.S. team um, play against Canada and my dad, I remember my dad saying, oh, you have to watch number four, Angela Ruggiero. She's one of the best D. And um, ever since then, that was the first time I saw women's hockey, I think, on TV. It's the only time it was on TV. And that's when I really got exposed to the female side of the game because currently I was playing boys hockey. I grew up playing with the boys. I had an older brother. Um, so I think that's when I really noticed and that's when it sparked my dream that that's something I want to do I want to go to the Olympics play for Team USA and have the chance to win a gold medal oh my god that just gave me chills because also like what are you about to do (laughs) and what have you already accomplished right I mean where does that sit with you because wow yeah I mean I've (laughs) I've never really thought about it because we're we're always continuing to train and as athletes and um, competitors. We always are looking for the next one. We just, we want more. And um, so I haven't really reflected back on that yet to realize that um, these are some of the dreams that I've had as a, a kid and they're at my fingertips and um, there's just a world of opportunity ahead of us. And so I'm really looking forward to uh, the chance to go and compete. Brianna, what was your first memory? Do you remember of that? Yeah, I mean, I I remember briefly watching the 1998 team as well. Um, you know, some of those top players like Cammy Granado and Andrew Ruggiero were on that team. And, um, you know, I think the, the cool thing for me, um, a memory that I like will never forget is I was a huge Cammy Granado fan. And, um, you know, I think it was when I was 12, or 13, I went to one of my first like national development camps and she ended up being my coach. And I mean, I hadn't probably, I'll be honest, I probably hadn't thought about her since like 98 when I was like oh seven God. years old. And then I was like, Oh my God, like six and oh, seven years later, I was like, she was my coach at the camp. And I, I just thought it was incredible. Like that was kind of my first kind of initial step into USA hockey and the development camps. And I thought it was like incredible to have her as a coach. I was pretty lucky, but um, I do want to say that like before hockey, I was a huge soccer fan. And so watching players like Mia Hamm and like the 99ers and all those players, you know, Brandy Chestnut and stuff like that was an opportunity where I was like, okay, I want to go to the Olympics or play, you know, play for the U S soccer team. Obviously had <laughs> that all changed at some point in my life, but, um, those were like two sports that I just loved watching the most. And obviously playing hockey, um, took over in high school. So. Oh, that's so cool. It's funny. Both of you sharing your stories made me think about when I was, I worked at the Summer Olympics last time it was in Beijing and I was covering, I was doing gymnastics. I was hosting a gymnastics show and I grew up, I'm much older, but like with stories of Nadia Komanich, right? And the gymnast and, um, and I would just watch her. I'm not a gymnast, a gymnast. I wish I was, but she walked in the room because she was there as a commentator. And I literally was like, I don't even know if I can talk. And it was one of those moments where exactly like you said with your coach, I'm just like, this is so crazy that as a child, you remember where you were and you see it and just how I love hearing people's, you know, experiences with moments like that. Cause I think everyone has them and it just, you know, it's, it's so special anyway. Okay. So my pregame superstition is Brianna. (laughs) um okay well I'm one of those players on the team that does definitely have a routine I don't like to call (laughs) superstitions because um if I don't do them it's not gonna affect my game I don't really think so but I am definitely from like when the game 
game is um, basically 24 hours leading up to the game. I'm pretty dialed in as far as my routine and what I do. Um, but for me, if I narrowed it down to like one thing I definitely always do is um, listen to the same music, um, especially coming off the bus. It's like the same song I listen to. And I'll just tell you guys because yeah. you're going to ask yeah, yeah. that. So um, yep. it's Fall by Eminem. That's been like my go-to the last uh, little bit here. So um, yeah, I just... When you say little bit, what are we talking like? Um, since uh, a few I, I changed it up. No, it's like a few years now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. So but, is it like you have a certain moment on the bus or whenever you're getting off that yeah, you hit so, play for that? Yeah. Really? Yeah. As soon as the bus stops at like wherever we are or if we're, you know, three minutes out, that's where I start to, I turn it on. So yeah. And it makes you feel what? Um, I think it's just uh, from a mental standpoint, it's an indicator for me that like it's go time. And um, I think it's just I'm huge on the mental side of the game. And so I think it just dials me in that like, hey, we're getting off the bus and, and it's go time and ready to go and um, ready to compete with the other 22 best players in the world. Love it. Megan, how about you? What's your free game superstition? Uh, I, I'd say I'm quite the opposite as Dex. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> which, which makes our team, I think, so great. Like we've had, we have such a good mix of like all types of personalities and whatnot. We really gel together. But um, yeah, I'm more like, I like to keep it loose and laid back and, and just sort of have fun. Um, I'd say, I guess one of my superstitions is just after warm ups or before, like we have a soccer group that we just juggle the soccer ball and stay active and listen to music and things like that. But that's, that's really all I've got. What would your theme song be if you did have one? Oh gosh, that's a tough one. I don't know. I do like the Eminem team because I, I am from Detroit, uh, Michigan. So. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe like Welcome to Detroit or something. <laughs> I think he's in that one. I love that. <laughs> if you were a summer Olympian, which sport would you want to be a part of? What would you want to compete in? Megan? Beach volleyball. We are, like, <laughs> oh, cool. You've thought about that. <laughs> yeah. Like I've thought about that before. Honestly, when um, growing up, like me and some of my good friends, um, we would always go and play beach volleyball. And we'd pretend to be like Misty May and Carrie Walsh Jennings and whatnot. So that that would be my go-to, but I don't know how they move in the sand like that. You should give it a go. You should, you should see if you could be a dual sport. Um, Brianna, how about you? I mean, as much as I would love to say volleyball, I just don't think that'd be good from a height perspective for me, but um, <laughs> I would definitely, I'd probably say soccer. Like I love watching them and uh, that'd be incredible to um, play with all those incredible athletes. So I would, yeah, I would say it's funny though, because volleyball um, and soccer are my two like favorite summer sports to watch at the Olympics. We're getting to know teammates, Brianna Decker and Megan Keller on her turf. Coming right back. We're here with Megan Keller, Brianna Decker, who are about to attempt to defend gold at the Winter Olympics in Beijing. I mean, when both of you think about that, I know, Megan, we I asked you that a little bit earlier, how that had sat with you because your dream as a child was to do exactly what you've already accomplished, which is winning gold at the Olympics. But Brianna, I didn't really ask you, what, like, what does that mean to you when you think about all that you've accomplished, this being your third Olympics? Yeah, I think as a kid, I grew up wanting to play for the U.S. team and hopefully have an opportunity to play at the Olympics. I think um, looking back at my career and having those opportunities a couple times and now a third time, I think I look at back at all the coaches and I'm not just saying this because, you know, sometimes people like to hear this answer, but honestly, all the coaches and all the incredible teammates and athletes that I've been able to surround myself with and you know, the things that I've learned from them along the way, they pushed me to, you know, maximum limits. And I think um, that, you know, when I look back, those things are the things that motivate me and get me through, um, you know, the tough days. Um, but then they get me to the next opportunity to be able to def defend gold in the next little bit here. So I'm super excited that like our team's going to get, you know, an opportunity to defend gold and get out there and compete together in Beijing um, and hopefully come back with a gold medal. Oh, that you can put in your drawers um, yeah. that, that Megan can put in her top drawer, right? Or was yeah. that you, Brianna? That was me. Yeah. <laughs> you, it was drawer. you. Yeah. It was you. Right. You, know, you could use a pair of socks yeah. when you're touring it around. <laughs> um, 
You know, to set the stage, you guys have been, as you alluded to, training with the U.S. team in Minnesota since the summer. So take us inside a bit. What do you guys do when you're not grinding it out on the ice? Megan, maybe you can start that. What would you, would you guys do certain things to build on that chemistry? Uh, we've, we've had like a couple of team gather- gatherings. I think that we've all had a lot of fun at some people go and play golf and. Honestly, a lot of us like stick around the rink quite a bit, whether it's in the locker room, listening to music or um, at lunch and at the lounge. So we're a really tight knit group. And especially this year, it it allows us to hang out a lot more than we usually do. Usually we're all home in different parts of the country. And so it's it's definitely a lot more fun to be able to see your teammates off the ice um, like we can this year. I mean, and what you're about to do is, I mean, it's the pinnacle. This is what you work for, the opportunity to go to the Olympics, to defend your gold. You guys also train day in and day out. What was it like for you doing your individual training even before you guys got to the residency situation that you have now in Minnesota? Because I don't think our listeners realize when you guys talk about, you know, how tough it is and and kind of like, you know, releasing some of that, people don't realize how difficult it is to train for this sport. Yeah, I think, um, you know, yeah, listeners that probably, that they don't probably recognize that, like, when we're in college hockey, so the girls who are basically 22 years old and younger, um, they have it all made as far as the training's there for you. You're literally, you know, everything's set up nicely. Your coaches are there. You have the facilities. You have, you know, little things like getting your laundry done, all of that. And I think for us, girls who are beyond college and postgraduate players, we have to do a lot of different things. It's almost like we take a couple steps back as far as how we're, you know, the things that we have to manage. Um, but a lot of it's training by ourselves or training in small groups, you know, maybe only five different, you know, um, other athletes at a time. But um, a lot of us do do individual work. And so it's, you know, finding that hour of ice time and pushing yourself as much as you can. Um, getting the best out of yourself every single day because you know your teammates who are in different locations around the U.S. at you know leading up to the Olympics, they're all doing the same thing and holding each other accountable um, and holding yourself accountable. How hard is that? I mean, I think we all the the one thing that we we can all say is that we do have a pretty good support group as far as wherever we are in different locations. We have like a skills coach or you know, coach wanting to help us, whether it's off ice or on ice, um, we ha- we do have great bonds. And there's a lot of great people out there who are willing to help us get to, you know, back to the Olympics and then winning a gold medal from there. So um, we do grind through it a lot. But at times, um, you know, we can't wait to get to that next camp or that next tournament because that's when it's <laughs> the most fun. Megan, what's the toughest part of doing that training that you guys do? What's the wackiest thing that you've done to train maybe away from the ice? I think the the toughest part, honestly, is when you have to skate by yourself. Uh, it's really not really. Yeah. Cause it's just not that fun. Like you, you can't do normal drills. You have to, um, like find ways to, to get better when you're out there by yourself, just with a net and some pucks. And so you come up with some, some weird drills and ways to sort of create situations out there and work on things and get better. And, um, it's, it's really tough. You got to think about your teammates and what they're doing sort of to create that motivation and be self-motivated and hold yourself accountable because at the end of the day, I know my teammates are doing everything they can to be prepared by the time they get to camp or practice. So we can all work on things together as a team and get better. Um, so I think mm-hmm. that's one thing that I, I'm super impressed by how our team works day in and day out. Um, they don't leave anything out on the ice and I have total confidence in all of my teammates that when they're at home, they're, they're working as hard as they can. And that just pushes me to do the same. I was thinking about it and curious if the chemistry at all feels different than it did the last time around and defending gold, you know, going into Beijing after one of the incredible shootout victory that you guys had in Pyeongchang, how that changes the way it feels, you know, does it defending gold? Yeah, we've had this question a little bit here and there as far as, you know, <laughs> no, I'm sure no, you no, love talking about it. No, I do, though, because um, I always again, I'm going to give the same answer. I think, you know, people say like it's a different than, you know, defending gold than it is like trying to capture it after not winning it for 20 years as a, you know, as a program. And I think for us, um, 
we look at whether it's a world championship, whether it's another Olympic games, we look at it as an opportunity for this group, this team to, you know, have an opportunity to have that gold medal around our neck. Um, and so we have our eyes obviously on February 17th, but we're also focused on one game at a time and looking at the journey ahead of us. Um, and I'm excited for our group. We have a different group, obviously, than we did the last time, but we have a lot of young talent mixed with a solid veteran group that's been around now for at least a couple Olympics. So, um, yeah, I'm excited for us, but there's no different in capturing gold than defending it. No matter what, you have to go and get it. It is one of, I mean, every sport you talk to athletes and I'm specifically thinking about NASCAR right now because I've had drivers say the hardest thing to do period in sports is not to win the first championship, but it's to defend it. And I think that's such a fascinating question in sports. Why is it so hard to do it again? You know, what do you think, Megan? Yeah, I, I we've got this question a lot, like Doug said, so I've thought about it a lot more and we obviously have teammates, veterans, and leaders who have been on both sides of it. And so we know how it feels to win. We know how it feels to lose. And like Dex said, each quad, each tournament is so different. We have a brand new team. And for us, I think it's more about playing to win. You know, we're not going into play and defend and defend anything, but more so we want to go in and, and really make our stamp on the Olympics and play to win. You were one of the youngest players on that team in 2018. So what was it like for you, Megan, to do that and still be a college player? Yeah, I mean, that year was amazing um, to take the year off of school and just sort of get to play hockey. I remember my teammates like Dex and Niter were telling me, oh, you're going to love it. Like, you just get to play hockey all year <laughs> through school. And it, it was so awesome and truly special. And then obviously to get the opportunity to bring home a gold medal um, to the United States is something I don't think I'll ever forget. And we obviously, we hope to look forward to that opportunity and maybe um, bring home another. When you were in that moment though, how did that change your college experience when you went back and were you, were you nervous at all for what you were about to do? Um, honestly, yeah. Going back to school, it, it, it was different. I, um, went back and took summer classes right before just to get back into the school mode and see some of my teammates. And it's definitely weird taking a year off. You miss a whole incoming freshman class and then you have a new freshman class. So you basically don't know half of the team and you have to quickly get readjusted. Um, but I mean, I loved my four years at Boston college. We've talked about the post-grad life. I, I honestly wish I had more, more time there back in school. I'd go back in a heartbeat, but yeah, my time there was amazing. <laughs> my mom always used to say, college is going to fly. You're going to love it so much. And I was like, what is she talking about? And I think everyone <laughs> says a version of what you just said, right? Everyone's nodding their heads. Yeah. It's so true. It's like, if you could just have those college years, just give me six months. <laughs> um so Bree, can I call you Bree? Do you go yeah, by Bree or is yeah, it just yeah. Brianna? Okay, no, thanks. Um, do you, you know, like when you think about this being your third Olympics, is there something that you wish that you would have known before your first? Or because I, I mean, this is it's such a unique opportunity, I think, for you. Or maybe is there something that is just that people don't know about what the Olympics is truly like to be on the inside? I think, um, I mean, going back to my first one, okay, each one was a completely different experience, obviously locations too. But I think um, going back to my first one, like, the, you know, the veteran players will be like, oh, it's pretty nerve wracking, like your first game. And I think as a younger player, like, okay, like, I'll be fine. Like, I don't have to worry about it. And then like, you put the jersey on and you go out there for your first game. And I was like, oh, wow. Yeah, like my heart was pounding. Um, and I, I, I have to admit, I did try to find my family in the stands because I was like, this is that moment that, you know, you only get it like one time that first time. So I uh, took advantage of it. But looking back, um, I think the, the thing that fans maybe don't always realize is that it's such a cool experience being surrounded by the best athletes in their sport. And um, in 2018, I had an opportunity to, when we uh, went to opening ceremonies, I walked it with a skier and I had never met him before. 
Um, and it was a cool moment for me. I think we both took it in because we were like, it didn't matter where we were from. I actually couldn't even tell you his name. Like we didn't even introduce each other, but like we were family and we were like, a te- <laughs> we were teammates and Team USA teammates in that moment. And oh my God. Um, but yeah, I ended up actually walking closing ceremonies with them too. Like we happened to be by each other again. So it's kind of a funny Just story. randomly? Yeah, randomly. Because I mean, there's like 200, over 200 um, US athletes there. So I love that story. And yeah. you don't remember his name? No. Hopefully I find him. Hopefully I find him again. But I mean, the the village. There's two villages usually at the Olympics. So there's like the mountain village, and then like the you know, coastal coastal cluster. Basically, that's like okay. Separate. Yeah. So if you find him again, please, will you just take a I gotta picture get his name. and like and I gotta get his or, name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and his name is. <laughs> Wait. So did you find your family when you were looking for them? Yeah, I saw. Yeah, I saw my family. <sighs> that's pretty cool. And what was that moment when you saw them? Um, I saw his three brothers and then my parents and it was just a, it was a cool moment. I think, um, you know, they are obviously super proud, but, um, I only took it in for a split second. Obviously we had a warm up, but it's, um, it's a moment I won't forget. And I'm sure a lot of, you know, it's going to be different this time around as far as, you know, we're not allowed to have family and friends there. And so Mm -hmm. some of those younger players will miss out on that opportunity, but you know, maybe it'll be a good thing that it's more focused and not distract (laughs) as much as I was in that moment. (laughs) No, good point. That's so cool though. I love that you took us inside there because I think that's, that's so true. And also like when you're talking about being with um, Olympians, just from other countries too, that I don't think, you know, the magnitude of that is pretty special. Megan, is there anything that sticks out for you? I'd say similar to what Dex is saying. I mean, it's so cool to be a part of team USA as a whole, not just your sport. Um, one of the coolest memories I have is watching Red Gerard bring home the first gold medal for Team USA last time around. And a bunch of us were watching it in the snack room in the Team USA room. So I think that's one of the coolest parts. You're surrounded by all these amazing athletes and you cheer for one another and you root on one another, even though you've probably never met um, each other, like your teammates um, and you represent your country. It's truly special. It's all that connection, you know? Uh, I want to talk United States Canada rivalry um, because this is always something that is exciting to watch. The United States and Canada have combined to win every Olympic gold medal ever awarded in women's hockey. So you guys being defending champs, how has the rivalry changed since Pyeongchang? I mean, I personally think it's no different than Pyeongchang. So I think viewers okay. are going to probably, yeah, like the viewers are going to probably see a similar game. Um, you know, when our teams go up against each other, um, it's not a secret that we don't like each other out there. I think, uh, we, we battle it out to the max. Um, and it's, you know, literally blood, sweat and tears. You're doing whatever you can to win that game. Megan. Yeah. I mean, I think we get to know each other pretty well, especially during an Olympic year, we have the my wide tour and we end up playing them four or five times, um, I think. So the rivalry definitely intensifies as the year goes on. And then especially once you get to the Olympic stage, um, all bets are off. I mean, it's one of the greatest rivalries in sport and in hockey. And uh, it's, it's always a fun game to be a part of. And especially when you're on the Olympic stage, there's really nothing else like it. Do you, what does it feel like? Is it something that just sort of that you tap into? Does it just happen automatically just because of the excitement and what's at stake? Yeah, I think there's just a lot of passion behind the game. I mean, for one year, you have your country's name and logo on the front of your jersey and Mm -hmm. you're representing something much bigger than just your sport. And then you're going against one of your biggest rivals in the sport. And so I think there's just a lot of passion behind it and a lot of fire in the game. And it just, it creates a whole battle out there. It's so exciting to watch. I know that winning the gold in Beijing is the focus. For those who aren't familiar with the landscape though, I want to ask you about this because you're both members of the PWHPA, which formed after more than 200 players said that they wouldn't play in the existing North American Women's League, the PHF, citing the need for higher wages, also better benefits, right? And conditions. The PHF, we know recently announced that it will be increasing salaries and providing players with health insurance starting next season. Will that impact where you guys decide to play after the Olympics 
And I'm, I wanted to talk about this because I think it's so important for women just moving forward. And you guys, you know, you talked about the soccer teams of the past, but I think this is a massive opportunity. Yeah, I think, I mean, quite, I mean, I think right now we are focused right on the Olympics and folks have that first step for us, but um, you know, they came out with that announcement a few days ago. And I think the one thing that came to mind is it just creates more opportunity for women athletes and women hockey players, um, you know, to play the sport that we love. And, um, you know, we're both, like you said, uh, members of the PWHPA and we're trying to work out with that as far as creating a better future for women's hockey, having a better platform, something that's going to last a lifetime. And, you know, I think we don't, we're trying to figure out what the best thing is and how that's going to look the look and be the most successful. Um, but with that announcement that came out, I think that's the one thing I thought of is like, I think people are just trying to create an opportunity for women's hockey, professional women's hockey. Megan, were those similar thoughts that you had? Definitely. I mean, when you get an investment like that into women's sports and women's hockey, it's great to see and it moves our sport forward. And I think we all have the same end goal, whether we end up in different places or how we get there is we don't know that. But at the end of the day, I think that's Mm -hmm. huge for our sport and it's exciting to see. How much of a, of a push is there? How hard is it to, to get this sort of movement in your sport? Cause we've talked to a lot of inspiring female athletes, you know, on this podcast from different sports, soccer specifically that comes to mind, but in terms of the blood, sweat and tears that really goes into any sort of change. Yeah. I think the biggest thing that we lack is visibility. Um, I look at our, you know, you just talked about our rivalry between Canada um, those athletes are competing in these P- in the, the PW. A lot of these athletes are P- competing in the PWHPA. Um, you know, during our off years when we're not preparing for the Olympics. So on the weekends, we're playing in those games, and those games aren't broadcasted, where people would be completely entertained and would love to follow some of their favorite players um, on a weekly basis. And so, I think more visibility is what is going to help increase our sport and have a better future for women's hockey. And hopefully we can push for that um, in the years to come. And that, so that's at the league level at the international level. Um, it's the second year in a row, right? That the women's tournament was canceled and not postponed. What does that represent to you guys just in terms of where women's hockey stands? Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's heartbreaking to see um, that tournament continue to get canceled at the U18 level. I think Dex and I, that was, I mean, that was one of my first experience with USA hockey and it's something I'll never forget. And it's such an honor. And, um, I think if we can get to a point where we can grow that program and the visibility at that younger levels, it's only going to continue to progress our sport forward. And especially at our women's level now, I think that's a huge feeding system and development um, system for our sport. And if we continue to grow it at that level, it should be um, pretty effective. You know, I know you both are such leaders in your sport too. Like Bree, are there, are there ways that you have, you know, do you guys find that advocacy does make change? Yeah. I mean, I look at, you know, two individuals on our team, Hillary Knight and Kendall Coyne are huge advocates to pushing our sport to the next level and pushing our sport to more visibility and everything and more change to help us. Um, so like, those are the two that stand out right now. We've obviously had so many leaders before our team that had, you know, worked their tails off to get our program to where it is now. Um, and so I think, you know, Meg and I are trying to do our best as well to push our sport forward um, you know, I look at some of the younger girls on our team and they've already picked up on a lot of the things us veteran players tend to do as far as pushing our sport and, you know, pushing the visibility aspect of things. And so hopefully we can continue to do that. I love that. And I think that, you know, that's something that MJ and I have talked about has been really eye opening from the conversations we've had on this podcast is how the, the younger generations have truly seen it because of what you guys do and have identified it and are sort of watching in a really cool way, the way they describe it from the way they describe it from afar, but, but they are also then learning by the blueprint that you guys are putting forth, which is really awesome. So if there are specific goals, 
you would say for the next generation of women hockey players, what would you both say that some of those would be, Meg? I think just having a true opportunity to play professionally after college and to be supported by a league, a team, um, wherever you are. A lot of players right now have to have nine to fives or even a lot of us U.S. players. I think before we had our big stand in 2017 with USA Hockey, um, a lot of girls coached or ran camps or did skills just to continue to be able to play at an Olympic level, which is crazy. Like they, they're Olympic athletes are the best athletes in the world and they have to find ways to support themselves outside of sport. Um, so I think not having that worry, if you're good enough and one of the best hockey players in the world after college and you want to continue to play that you can do so. Bree, your thoughts. Honestly, like Meg said it perfectly. I think, you know, I always think about where do I see women's hockey in five years? And like, that's my hope is that we have a league that I could be drafted to a team in Florida and I could move down there, move my life down there and live there. Like, you know, I mean, I'm picking Florida because I want palm trees, not this Minnesota Minnesota (laughs) weather. So I just pick Florida because that just sounds really nice right now. Thank you for being uh, transparent. I was going to ask you that. (laughs) Yeah, that's the only reason why. But, um, you know, I think just being able to to move my life down there and live comfortably and like, yeah, have health insurance and all those things. I think Mm -hmm. um, women's hockey players would be willing to go and do those things and move to different areas around the country if we knew that it would be we'd be able to be like supported like we should. Yeah. It's equal opportunity is what it is. Right. Um, Speaking of that, the one thing that has taken up a lot of time at my house is Madden, uh, the video game, you know, because my my son is obsessed with football. And I was so pumped because I was like, oh, now I know what my daughter is going to play. And you guys, (laughs) this is so cool. You're going to be in NHL 22. The first time women have been included as players what does that mean to you? And what does that mean for hockey, women's hockey overall? It was like a, when they first, uh, you know, asked us to be in the video game, I would say it was a pretty surreal moment as I'm first <laughs> off, not a very, I'm not a big gamer. So actually Meg plays games more than I do, but um, I'm not a huge gamer. So like <laughs> growing up, growing up, I would play video games or whatever with my brothers, but um, you know, you always had to be the NHL guys. And I think now that we're going to be in the video game, this is a, probably one of the biggest steps from a vis- visibility standpoint that like young girls, young boys, grown, I should say grown adults have an opportunity to play us in the video game. And I'm looking forward to maybe actually purchasing a video <laughs> game set so that I can actually be Megan Keller at the point and just to see how hard my shot would be. So <laughs> you may end up in the penalty box. <laughs> okay, that's fine. <laughs> First of all, they should be sending you your own Xbox. That shouldn't even be a question. Like yeah, you should I think you they guys... po- hopefully they will. I think they will. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I was gonna say if you're in it, I think that should just be grandfathered <laughs> yeah. in. Yeah. Megan, wait, like, but seriously, just be real. How, like, how awesome is it to be in a video game? It's awesome. I was actually just texting my brother because last um, world championships, we were supposed to go through like a long quarantine. So I bought a PS4 and I haven't really used it yet. And I was going to give it to my brother or maybe try and get some money from him, but <laughs> we'd see how that works. <laughs> but I told him, I was like, I think I'm going to have to keep the PS4 now because I'm so excited to like play as our team and like suit up as some of our teammates. I think that's so awesome um, that EA sports is doing that. And it's also huge for women's hockey and women's sports in general to get that exposure and that visibility for young fans and young girl hockey players to see their idols on a video game. Um, It just sparks the dreams like it did for me and Brianna and 98 and 2006 and 2010 when we were watching women's hockey on the Olympics. It's just another touch point where they can see their idols at the highest level. You just brought it full circle. Yeah, that's so cool. That is really cool. I was uh, downstairs before this interview and I told my kids, I was like, guess who I'm talking to? You know, and they were like, oh, and I said, do you have any questions? 
And my son, my son piped up. He goes, how many skates do they have? And do they have to eat a lot of vegetables? So before we go, I was just hoping that you could clarify that, both of those answers. And I do about the equipment, because I am curious about um, the equipment and if there are certain things that you guys, how that all works. Are there certain things you choose to take care of on your own? How many skates do you have? You know, how heavy is all of that to carry? Yeah, so, well... It's recommended to carry two pairs of skates in your bag at this level when we travel. I don't. I only carry one uh, for packing purposes. Because, uh, yeah, for packing purposes. I would rather put more more of my other personal stuff in the bag so it's not as heavy. But um, (laughs) getting off track, obviously. But there's um, the skate blades itself, the steel. You can pop in and out of the skates pretty easy nowadays. Um, And so we go... I have a lot of, I probably go through like three or four sets of steel, um, throughout, you know, the, um, you know, games or practices and stuff like that. I'm someone who's pretty picky with that stuff, but, um, so we have a lot of steel, I would say more so than like sets of skates, but from equipment standpoint, um, most of us don't like, we don't take, we just have to make sure we're airing it out properly in our stall. We're spoiled to have an equipment manager who takes care of us quite a bit. But interesting fact, I've had the same elbow pad since ninth grade. So <laughs> what? Yeah. Some people are pretty like, some people don't change it up too much. I don't know if Meg, Meg if you have anything that's old like that, but I don't. <laughs> yeah, I, I used to be like super picky and hated breaking in new equipment. Like a lot of hockey players will tell you like breaking in new skates the first couple of times is just yeah. horrible. Like your feet hurt. It's just annoying. So a lot of us like keep our old equipment and just continue to use that. It's so broken in. It's like, you're barely wearing anything. And I'd say since I've gotten older and we've been fortunate to have access to really anything we need, I've, I've definitely changed it up a bit. I, I really don't mind breaking in new things if it's a couple of times. So but I'm the same. I'll travel with one pair of skates and just bring extra steel. We have a pretty good equipment yeah. staff that they they um they can fix anything. So I know that I don't want to keep you guys much longer, but I do want to hear one thing. So we love to ask our guests um, about women, like strong influences in their lives. And we call it the power of the pack. So, you know, we've had people weigh in on saying that it was a person that maybe it was a family member, maybe it was a coach, maybe it was someone that we would never think of. But I wanted to get from both of you, just your thoughts on someone that has made a difference in your life and inspired you along the way. And Megan, I can start with you. Oh, it'd be tough to pick one. Honestly, I'm going to, yeah, I, I have to go with like my teammates, like the ones that I've looked up to from before even I was on the team and watching them play and see what they accomplish off the ice as well. To now getting to be in the locker room and see it firsthand, what they do on a daily basis. And not only for our team, but for the sport of hockey, it's, it's truly inspiring to me. and. I have to say they're the ones that I look up to. I would say, I mean, I talked about Cami Granado a little bit earlier on, but I think um, someone like Andrew Ruggiero was somebody that I looked up to as well. She played on the 98 team um, and she was young on that team. And I think what it came kind of full circle when I had an opportunity to play with her at a world championship in 2011. So it was like, okay, this is someone who's inspired me um, throughout my career and then had the opportunity to play with her. So that was a pretty unique moment. But um, not only, you know, was she a veteran on the team, but she had played in the program for over a decade. And I think that's a thing that inspired me the most was like, how can I extend my career um, and continue to make team after team to be able to, um, you know, play as long as I love the game. Megan Keller and Brianna Decker, you guys are amazing. Thank you so much for joining me on this podcast on On Her Turf. And Best of luck. I cannot wait to be able to point to my do- to you guys with my daughter and say watch these girls and you know to say she's the best, you know, player on defense and Brianna's wearing an elbow pad from ninth grade. <laughs> so <laughs> you guys seriously, thank you. I I can't wait for the world to to get to know you guys again and best of luck going for that gold in Beijing. Awesome. Thank you. Of course. Thank you.
I don't know if I could love those two anymore, Lindsay. They were so fun. You can tell that they their friendship is really just based on this mutual respect that they have for each other as competitors, but also for the women they are, right? The way that they they really fuel each other is is I think so beautiful, but also hilarious. I mean, they're characters. Yeah, and they're very honest. I appreciated that. And I really, I enjoyed the fact that, you know, at the heart of it, you talk about that competitive drive. I mean, that's, yeah, that's different, right? That is what sets them apart as, um, as Olympians. It's amazing. So, but, but honestly, I think one of the coolest things would be if you have a child and you're able to say, Hey, you can play me in NHL 22, right? So, I mean, how cool is that? And I was saying to Um, them, you know, that's why I brought up the part about Madden because my son is so obsessed with Madden that's why I would be like how cool would your mom be (laughs) right I I love that (laughs) they're like okay so I have this this gaming system I might give it to my brother Ah, on second thought you know what I'll just keep it for myself because I can play it so now I'm gonna have to like rock paper scissors Rochambeau my husband for his gaming system just so I can play this game although I might think I think he might be very impressed that I'm asking to play something other. Yeah. So um, don't tell him why. Go up against. No, I won't. Just kind of own it and be secret. like, oh, by the way, I'm going to be X Y Z. Like I, I right. love that. And for listeners who kind of who didn't pay that close attention to that section, NHL 22 has women's teams that are playable now for the first time ever. So that is super cool. And I love how Brianna is considering getting the game just so she can play as Megan. I think that's also exactly one of the I mean, highest who forms else of would she play? Right. Flattery. Exactly. Just how we exactly. how they talked about, you know, I it's tough going up against her in practice and all of yeah. this. Of, of course she would play her in the game. It's only right. That's yes. on brand. <laughs> and right. do not forget to set your alarms for the third because that's the day that they're playing their opening game. It'll be at 8 a.m. Eastern against Finland. So definitely one to watch for. Super cool. Literally set alarm. I can't believe it's basically days away at this point, Lindsay. Yeah, right. I know. And the fact that when, when I spoke to them that they hadn't left yet, um, to mm. go. So just thinking yep. about the transition to and, and that flight and getting there and all of it, you know, that's a part I think that people don't tend to take into consideration a lot is just the difference of location and all the travel. And also this time, as we've talked about with so many other athletes, not having family there, you know, correct. Yeah. So. It's wild. That part of it, that part of it is huge. But like you guys spoke about in that interview, they've sort of been in it, right? They've been in that mentality, that sort of isolation mode in that bubble in Minnesota, getting ready uh, for the Winter Olympics. I mean, talk about team building. Hi, we're all going to be here for an extended (laughs) period of time. Oh yeah. Then we're going to travel across the globe together. Stay huddled up. I mean, it's a good thing they're best friends because honestly, <laughs> you sort of have to be at that point to get through yeah. all of this. Um, not only the the mental sort of strain of saying, all right, I'm going to the Olympics, but also I got to do it arm in arm with this entire team. It's so different than some other some of the other um, Olympic events where it's just yourself, where it's just a few people. This is a, a, a very larger, a much larger group. Um, but I love that the two of them have, have sort of found this connection that they've built over several years to really be able to lean on each other. I think that's really cool. Oh, it was so much fun to do this episode. And also it's, it's cool to be able to talk about it after the fact. Don't forget to rate and review On Her Turf on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Sirius XM, or your favorite podcast platform. And be sure to follow On Her Turf on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And check out some of our past episodes of the On Her Turf podcast. Starting February 3rd, the Winter Olympics begins on the networks of NBC. And hey, while you get ready for the Winter Olympics to start, you can get caught up on what Maddie Mastro and Kristen Santo said before they compete in Beijing. Then head over to our blog to get the latest news in women's sports at NBCSports.com slash on her turf. Special thanks to everyone involved in this NBC Sports and Blue Wire partnership. We'll meet you right back here next time.